Have you ever wondered how your sales performance compares against your competitors and peers? The B2B Sales Benchmark Report provides the definitive guide to what success looks like in 2021. See how you compare in terms of win rate, sales cycle, average deal value, relationships, and engagement. You can see the results and get the full report at ebster.com forward slash B2B dash sales dash benchmarks. This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales operations onto the show to deconstruct the why, what, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by Ebster, the leading customer engagement platform for Salesforce. Welcome to a very special episode of Sales Operations Demystified Podcast. Um, In this room now, we have a grand total of 20 years sales operations experience from 10 different companies. So I'd like to introduce... Uh, Naya, who is Global Head of Sales Operations at Jumio, and Catherine, who is Sales Operations Director at Ometria. Welcome, guys. Hi. <laughs> Thank you. So we've actually been trying to get Catherine and Naya onto this podcast for like four months. Yeah. And so we're here. So thank, first of all, thank you so much for your time. I think it's going to be a really, really interesting session um, because of the diverse or the, the number of businesses that you guys have experienced in. So I'm going to kick off with the first question, which is, how did you get in sales ops? And feel free to, whoever likes to go first. Yeah, I'll, I'll start. Um, so how did I get into sales ops? Um, right, so actually, 11 years ago now, or 10 years ago, <laughs> I, um, I applied for an internship at Microsoft. And I applied to work for the finance department. Mm-hmm. So I went through the whole assessment center, yeah. did five interviews for different departments. And they rejected me. They didn't want me to work for the finance department. So you can imagine I was absolutely upset. Yeah. Um, so I had to go back. Then they called me two days later and said, actually, um, we have a better role for you. We think that this particular role suits you much, much better. So which was actually the role of an education licensing specialist uh-huh. in their education team. So that particular role um, sat basically between the operations sales and enablement so i was managing different programs educational programs i was um, training our sales uh, people on the different educational programs we had but also our resellers and distributors yeah um i was doing the whole operational side of things probably you know looking at what does the process look like in terms of you know who are we selling to how are we working with our distributors and resellers mm-hmm. um what is an entire sales process looks like and um, working with the operation center to really optimize that yeah and i was doing numbers understanding really what we're doing from an educational perspective so although my role was education licensing specialist um that was my real taste in what sales operations was without knowing what sales operations <laughs> actually was yeah yeah <laughs> right so that was quite interesting a few patterns i see with these interviews is that 
no one really actually goes for a job at sales operations. Mm -hmm. And when they do get into the job that turns out to be sales operations, they don't know what it is, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what happened with you. Exactly. Um, so let's quickly go over and get Naya's yeah, so origination story. My, my start was slightly different. So I began my career in psychology and I worked in psychology for about four or five years. Um, working in, um, I worked in the Young Offenders Prison in Feltham, um, and then I got my first corporate role at Groupon, and I was learning about buying patterns, trying to understand the buying patterns of the consumers. Mm -hmm. um, and then I very quickly became interested, or more interested, in the buying, the sales process, and the, I guess, the process that drove a salesperson to make the sales. Um, and I spent a lot of time working on the process. My, my area of expertise began with the process yep. um, and looking at how we can make it more efficient, what we could do to improve it. Um, and so, yeah, that's where, where I began. From the people perspective, because mm. of your background in psychology, like how can we make our salespeople sell more mm -hmm. and this process sell more by looking at how you change or influence the people? Is that yeah. it? it sounds yeah, super interesting. Yeah, definitely. And it's definitely helped me along the way. I always yeah. say when I get a bad salesperson, I've experienced working in a prison with other types of people, so this is nothing. <laughs> so we're going to get onto that later. Um, and then you guys actually met working at Amazon. Yes. And was that in sales operations? So I, I always explain this by saying sales operations, I think, even as a title being defined, um, has never really properly been defined. And so we actually worked in different departments, but doing different aspects of sales operations. Yeah, so actually... Um, at Amazon was the first time I had actually the title sales operation. Cool. Um, it was my first time being a sales operation specialist, I think it was, um, or analyst even. Um, and before that, I still did sales operations role, but I was never called that. Yeah. I was, you know, sales excellent support or sales support or anything like that, right? So now people are called business operations, revenue operations. Like it's changing. I think I think it's evolving now because I feel like. Sales operations came first, and now it's being you know now it's revenue operations. Mm -hmm. Now you have biz ops as well, yeah. right? Especially Silicon Valley. Yeah. So I think it's definitely evolving. And at the time at Amazon, I had that sales operations title. She works for a different different department, which was still right now we would say that's still part of mm -hmm. sales operations. But somehow because we're still early days, it felt separate. Yeah, got it. Yeah. And then you both moved to work at Hootsuite. Yes. Was that together? Like, how did that happen? Did you see? We like... quit together. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, no. Yeah. So you left. I went first. And did you move into a sales operations role? I did. Okay, cool. It was a sales operations manager role. That was your first time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Got it. And then you were dragged over. Then I said, hey, Naya. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And did you join the same team? Yeah, and this was the first time we were working actually together, together. Oh, and cool. actually made sense. In yeah. sales operations? Yes. Yeah. Cool. So let's focus on the Hootsuite experience really quickly. Because you joined when they were relatively small. Mm -hmm. And then, so how many people were in the business when you joined? And then, so, so when I joined, we were just over 30 people. Yeah. Um, were you the first sales operations resource? Or yeah, for me, I guess yeah. I was the first one. So, um, and obviously, you know, Hootsuite headquarters in Vancouver. So they yeah. had sales operations in Vancouver that will that was managing sales ops for globally. their globally, their yeah. global business globally. Um, but it was they only had it was unrealistic. There were only a couple of people, so they actually needed someone who can manage EMEA also, just because yeah. the market is totally different. 
So they need someone who actually understood and had the sales operations experience in EMEA. And you always need someone in the trenches who is there with the salespeople exactly. working day to day. Yes. Having someone in a different time zone is yeah. always a very difficult Yeah, it's very experience. difficult. Because yeah. that relationship is so important, right? It is yeah. so important, yes. Yeah. Um, and on that, actually, we were talking before we went live about the needing sales experience to, to do sales operations. From what I've heard mm -hmm. from you from the story so far is that we don't have experience in sales. Tell me if I'm wrong. I have. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> so um, before I've um, I've joined Microsoft as an intern, yeah. um, I had two sales jobs before that. So I'm from Holland, yeah. um, and actually when I was 17, my first role was um, knocking on doors selling energy and eco. So it was my first sales <laughs> hardcore nice. sales yeah. job. Um, and then after that, just when I was in uni, I was working for Nationwide Building Society selling loans and credit cards. So I had a little bit of um, a sales background when I went into it for sure. Yeah. And I? So I, like I said before, I was in my, when I was at uni, I was working in retail and doing that. My first proper working role was doing psychology work. Yeah. Um, and so I had not come from a, a typical sales background, having done mm -hmm. kind of like sales work. Yeah. But I would say that you don't necessarily, I personally, don't think you necessarily <laughs> need um, a sales background to be good in sales operations. I do think okay. you need specific, specific skills. I think there are certain <clears throat> skill sets that are needed um, to be able to, to do the job effectively. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily say a sales or a typical sales background is required. Cool. Yeah. So, you, do you mirror that opinion? So my view is a little bit. So I guess... I think if you do have a sales background and you go into sales operation, I mean, providing you also have the operational skills and you can do that, right? Mm -hmm. But if you go into that role, I think you can be the sales, the best sales ops out there because you have to understand salespeople. You have to understand them in order to be able to do your job. If you don't have that experience, I do think that you still need to go into sales operations role trying to understand the sales operations, right? the salespeople, yeah. right? Try to understand the sales organization in order to be able to do your job. So that's that's my Got point. it. Um, moving on, next question. Current tech stack for both of you guys. Are we using, I'm assuming we're using Salesforce. Is that correct for both we're, of you? We're both using Salesforce, cool. yeah. And what else are we using? So this question, when, when could be obviously sort of when we were looking at the questions, this question kind of, puzzled us because I don't think it's as important mm. the tech stack that you're using but the way I, I, I try and describe it is that you've got and it goes back to my my point being that sales operations doesn't just deal with sales people um, and so it deal, and that's the reason why you can be called business operations revenue operations because you're dealing with the business as a whole yeah. and so um, in terms of the tech stack that you're using each department potentially will have its own one and if you think about each department as being a different cog um, in the broader scheme of everything mm -hmm. um, each cog needs to be able to turn with each other one right yeah. and so the different tools that they're each using all needs to be kind of at least integrated or work alongside each other and so saying that mm. i use salesforce or using x or y mm. i don't think is as important as making sure that the tech set that you're using 
all interacts and works cohesively with each other. Got it. Because ultimately, if I'm a startup, my tech stack will be completely different to, I mean, Jumia, and we're an enterprise company. So yeah. the tech stack is changing and growing and evolving, right? Yeah. So as long as it's always working together and you're always ensuring that whatever it is that you are using is benefiting the other departments and is working alongside them, I don't think it really matters. Got it. So if a sales department had like the ultimate tech stack, but it wasn't talking to the rest of the business, there's no point because I think, and what we're definitely trying to do because, you know, Metro is definitely certainly smaller than, mm. than Jumio. And um, so we're just starting out. So we're just mm. implemented Salesforce, right? Yeah. Now we're really starting to think about, right, what kind of ecosystem are we building for the business? Because like she said, really, it's like a cog. It's, you know, it's a sales, entire sales organization, not just the sales team. Every other department adds value to sales, right? So we need to understand how do we collaborate with each other? What is the information exchange? You know, how does that look like? So, you know, because there's handover between the departments. So we need to have a system that talks to each other. We can't buy in silos. So now we're, what we're doing is we're just speaking to other departments, trying to understand what do we have today? Does it talk with Salesforce? If it doesn't, do we need to change? Which and what is the right yeah. tax stack? I mean, it makes our job more challenging because we have to speak <laughs> to so many more stakeholders yeah. to kind of get yeah. buy-in. But it makes our job even more important because otherwise you end up spending all this money on all these different tools that don't know what they're doing and yeah. they're probably doing similar things, which you always want to avoid. I love how you avoided answering the questions. So. <laughs> <laughs> Can you, going back to tools though, is there one tool that you have used that you thought that's really good? Hmm. Or does it not matter because it's what really matters? Is no, I mean, no, definitely. There's definitely some cool tools out there yeah. that you know you can use. Um, I mean, for us, like I said, we just implemented Salesforce. Now I'm looking at different tools that we can potentially um, be purchasing and implement um, or integrate with, sales, with Salesforce. Um, so I will abstain from saying yeah. which tool just yet <laughs> until I actually have it. Yeah. Um, but in the past, um, tools that we've used and integrated with Salesforce, and actually that's one we've just bought, um, and that is specifically with the CSM teams, mm -hmm. and that's Gainsight, which I think is pretty yeah. cool tool okay. to really have that single customer view um, as yeah, well. We had, we had yeah, Gainsight as well. Yeah. I think okay, it's cool. important, you know, just to be able to get yeah. a holistic view. I think a tool, any tool that can give you a more holistic view and provide additional data that's yeah. relevant, yeah. useful. Yeah. yeah. So, moving on to data quality, now you're both using Salesforce, does this sit with you two, like, or your team, sales operations, to ensure data quality, or did that sit with the CRM owner or the Salesforce admin? So, I mean, everyone is responsible. Everyone is responsible, right, for data quality. Um, Equally. Everybody's responsible for for the data that's in the system. In terms of who's responsible for maintain, for looking after it and owning it, that's our role. We yeah. are there yeah. to do that. But yeah. there, I mean, if anybody's using the CRM tool, anybody who's taking part in the business is equally responsible for ensuring that what they do within the company is providing data that's useful. Yeah, and I think I think there is a lack um, from my experience and other businesses that I work with, work, worked at is there is a lack of really education, educating everyone in the business about data quality, you know, mm -hmm. data integrity, just mm -hmm. data governance, right? So it's creating a data governance within your business and making sure everyone is mm -hmm. aware of that for sure. And then, but also having then 
that data quality control team, which needs to be sales operations or any other dedicated data quality <laughs> control team you want to have um, that can definitely champion it and drive that and make sure that people are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And on that point, actually getting salespeople specifically to do these things that you want them to do to, to maintain data quality, how do you do that? Is that a psychology question? I, I, think, I think psychology helps. Mm. Understanding, understanding that definitely helps. But I think it's about adoption and adherence um, in, in as much as anything else and getting someone to adopt to using the tool correctly or in the way that the business processes require you to use it um, is about including them in the process. You know, when you purchase new tools, ensuring that they are, um, I guess, heavy stakeholders in, in why we've purchased it. Um, Interesting. So actually going out and asking people what tool they think would be good. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I, I the way I look at it is the salesperson is my customer. So I need to ensure that they are happy with what we've purchased mm. um, and it works to the needs that they have. Ultimately, my goal, I'm, I have to be objective, right? So my goal is to ensure that the business needs are met. So when they're suggesting this tool, this new fancy tool that does this and has these pretty colors, mm. that's lovely. But if it doesn't meet the business needs, then it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Um, but I think there's also, you know, there's something to be said about meeting, you know, no, doing, doing the right thing for the business. But then also as a sales operations, we are there to support the salespeople because we want them to be as productive. So things need to be efficient for them. Mm -hmm. So for me, in terms of getting really buy-in, you know, from salespeople, actually, it's quite easy because it starts with them. It starts with them saying on a day-to-day, -day, you know, they, they are working with different processes, with different tools. They will tell me and voice out, actually, this is not working for me. Why not? Because it's not efficient. It's not fast enough. I'm getting this box. So actually, from the start, you are making sure they're involved in the decision you're going to make in order to improve things. Yeah. That's where it starts. And then after that, it's just more re-education Right, yeah. getting making sure that the entire business is also bought into that, that you have senior management that's also bought in that can drive them from the top. Just getting everyone involved. Yeah. Yeah. But it starts with communicating with the salespeople 100%. every day. Yeah. And that's why Hootsuite kind of needed someone in EMEA mm -hmm. when they were growing a sales team, right? Because it's harder to do that if you're on the other yeah. side of the Yeah. Got it. You mentioned about salespeople being productive. Mm -hmm. um, what are you currently doing at the moment to improve the productivity of your sales teams? So that one I find it's such a broad yeah. question. Yeah, purposefully. <laughs> because there are there it's in different ways, right? So mm. you know you can um, try and get the sales team to be productive from a this system doesn't work, right? It you know it creates a bottleneck. That is one. Um, it can also be from a place where, you know, going back to data, well, if we don't have the right data in the system and they have to go out there and call prospect, but they don't have the right numbers or, you know, they don't have just they don't have the right elements on an account to understand how to go and move that forward. Then that is, you know, a question of can we, you know, data quality and data enrichment, for example, in order to get them to be more productive. Then you start thinking about um in account-based uh, marketing, for example, mm -hmm. you know, or and prioritization, which are the right accounts to go after? Should they just call a list of a thousand mm -hmm. or actually one should be prioritized over others? Now you start thinking, oh, how can I do that by implementing lead scoring? So there's so many ways. Got it just it. depends on what the question is in productivity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
Can you tell us about one way that you implemented something new <laughs> to improve productivity? Um, Lead scoring. Uh, yeah. Again. I mean, that, that's at the beginning, right, of the funnel. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the currently at Ometria, so we, we have um, implemented lead scoring to yeah. prioritize accounts, but I definitely think that we can do so much more with that. Um, and why do I say that? Because in order to do lead scoring, you need to have all the right data elements in there. Mm-hmm. And right now we are still in a place where we're trying to just enrich informational data so that we can have a better accurate um, lead scoring. Yeah, so that we can better, time, right? And that comes with time for sure. Okay. So um, that is one thing that definitely helped um, that I can name up now. Yeah, but sure. um, I always think that's a lot that we can do um, yeah. to, to make things better. Um, I try to ask everyone about the ratio between people in sales ops and number of sales reps. Um, mm-hmm. I heard earlier that one one of sales person to sell to twenty five sales reps is about right. What do we think about that? I don't. I don't. So, so into so, the ratio between the salespeople to sales ops members. Oh, sales ops. Mm. Oh, not sales managers. Manager. Okay. I think it depends on the um, <coughs> the way in which the business runs, mm. how much automation you have. Um, it, having you can have bums on seats who are useless or not useful, productive. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's more important to me to have people who are able to provide something for the business. If if I've got somebody, if I've got five people, for example, in the US, and then they've got, they've got a sales team of 200 people, but I've got, for example, when I was at Hootsuite, and you had gone by them, but it was my, me by myself, and there mm-hmm. was like easily within three or four different countries, maybe 80 people. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it becomes very difficult, yeah. but it's how you learn to manage what you can automate, how you're able to kind of build the relationship and connection with the different sales managers okay. and things like that, um, and what kind of ecosystem you've got yeah. that you can rely on. But I think there's also, when you say, are you talking about specific sales ops had? Because, mm-hmm. okay, let's break down sales operations, right? Yeah, so let's do that. There are um, many different aspects of that. So we have the process side of things, right? Mm-hmm. So optimization. We have just managing the tools that we're using today. So let's just say Salesforce, and then we have Gainsight, and then we have other tools on top of that. Um, we have data and analysis, right? So inside, deriving insights from that and starting to make decisions based on that. Sales of that as well. We have enablement. This is another thing to name up, right? Thing. So many people categorize sales ops in different ways. So you have all the admins, and then you've got all the enablement team, and then you've got people who are actually like doing the deal desk. So like even that categorization. Yeah, but yeah, but indeed, but that would be so. Let's say me, right? So right now I'm alone in no matter. So I'm the only. I am alone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only head um, for a sales operations head. Yeah. I will, but I will build a team. Maybe not this year, probably by next year or yeah. so, right? Um, so what am I looking at? I am then looking at getting people who are more specialized in those areas because right now I can manage all of them by myself. But as we scale and as we are trying to, you know, we're trying to be, you know, bigger and better. Um, in order to do that, sometimes you do need extra hats to support you with that. So yeah. I definitely think it's not necessarily a sales ops to people ratio. It's more about the growth you're going to have in as, as a business because you can be adding more salespeople, but it's more about um, the skill. So what is your strategy? Apart from sales, there's other strategies you have around that, right? So it's about um, what are you doing with partnerships as well? 
right, that comes into it. What are you doing with customer success? It might not mean that you're adding more people, but it just means, you know, the you, got to think differently. you have to think differently. You have to do things differently. And that means you have to put some sales operations initiatives against that yeah. in order to scale the business. So it's not always a sales ops to people. Be, yeah, so in summary, sales ops is more complex. It is more complex. We wear yeah. many, many hats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, cool. Now I want to move on to, and I think you're going to dislike this question as well, KPIs. If you could only use one single KPI for the rest of your sales operations career to measure individual reps, what would it be? Again, I'm, I'm sorry, you're going to hate me by the end of this. <laughs> to manage individual reps. We, we, couldn't, we couldn't do that because I don't think reps are measured in so many different ways. I yeah. have one comp plan I'll put together that have multiple KPIs. I totally agree. Okay. If you can only choose one, which would it be? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, it, it's such a tough you one because if, if you had, okay, because then I'm thinking about the business. I'm trying to derive my answer that what does the business need as well, yeah. right? So is it do I want to track just AR? So do we just need to track the dollars? Right? Do I need pipeline to track? Like, <laughs> does that mean that I need to then focus on that KPI? It, what it is the really state of your business? Yeah. So I find I find okay. this a difficult question. It depends on okay. the scenario, unfortunately. Okay, because a business in two different situations would need a different answer. Potentially. I mean, I think a business always wants to track how much money you're making. Okay. Yeah. So, staple. so maybe if you're asking, if you're asking a question after that, what else <laughs> would you want to, you want to track or what one thing would you ask? Okay. Um, could we do, you know, you, I could think of, um, okay. So how, okay. Let's say average order value, right? Mm -hmm. That could be a good KPI. How could we increase our average order value? Yeah. Right. So, but, but that probably wouldn't be the only one you would measure. No. <laughs> you told us to pick one. So if it's a yeah, big one, I was saying after revenue. Yeah. Okay. okay so, so we made exactly. Yeah. yeah. We actually put our, a line in the sand and we're saying revenue. Yeah. Because if, if the CEO, what's most important to them? Where's the money? What? How much have we made? So that's what you but, would choose. Exactly. But then, okay. yeah. I mean, if we had to pick one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um. Okay. Cool. Moving actually back, I think this is question out is bringing new salespeople on. Mm -hmm. Do you kind of have like a structured process for them to come on? And how long do you expect from when they join to when they be fully productive or fully? The ramp up uh, time can, ramp up can, time, can, can depend. Um, but generally, I in terms of ramp up time, um, I would normally say probably about a quarter is what I give to fully engage with them. Um, but again, depending on the type of business, um, for example, if you're a startup, mm -hmm. there may not be any process, there may not be any um, onboarding um, put together. But what it is, it's our job to work out, okay, there is no onboarding process. But as a salesperson, as our, them as our customer, we have to provide them with guidelines that allow them to work in a structured manner to ensure that the business needs are met. Mm -hmm. So I might have um, Salesforce training over X amount of days. Um, there may be sales enablement training that they need to go through. Um, they may spend time in marketing. So, and it's up to the business to ensure. And that's the reason why I normally say a, a quarter or ramp up to kind of fully engage and immerse them in as much as they can. Um, mm -hmm. But outside of that, onboarding is continuous. It can never stop because if it yeah. does stop, 
then they stop learning, the business stops growing. It yeah. has to continue. Um, and my team probably hate me for it because um, I've got a team of four people and I'm constantly having them go back in. We do lunch and learns and mm. we spend time doing mm. like refreshers and things like that. Um, but it's all necessary. Yeah. That's, that's Tools a, change as well, right? That's really good insight that I don't think we've had yet is that onboarding never should never actually stop or learning. Learning, exactly. You have onboarding and then you have an ongoing training program yeah. for anyone else who has been there much longer yeah. after X time. Or actually not after X time. I think after you've gone the, done the onboarding, you're done with that, they're still going to be trained because you're still learning, right? Yeah. And I think in Ometria, we're, we're still, I don't think we're structured yet. And we've had these conversations and it'll be up to me to really structure our enablement program. Yeah. Um, and right now we're looking at um, dividing it almost in three three kind of areas. So where you have the sales enablement, you have um, tech enablement. Yeah. Um, so that's basically products um, and also just industry. What does the industry mm. look like? And then we also have just general company yeah. onboarding. But you know, when it comes to RAM, it's really different. So um, when you have, for example, Ometria is just such a, a more technical sales, right? You really need to understand the workings of the platform when you sell. So there's more that goes into onboarding, mm -hmm. but there's also longer ramp time. Whereas when yeah. I was at Adobe, um, it was a salespeople, salesperson could, could ramp up, you know, max three months yeah. and mm -hmm. understand how to um, sell it because it was so transactional because I was working the SMB part of it yeah. and it was so transactional so quite quickly because Keep even the, quickly. yeah exactly and even the sales process the sales part of that or how to how to sell at Adobe there wasn't much because it was so short yeah. the sales cycle yeah. you can get on the phone today and make a sale today right depending on what product it was yeah um, so yeah so I think it just differs right. by any business um, I have a couple of questions that were not prepped for no. um, you guys have had 20 years combined experience, so 10 years each. How have you seen sales operations change during your careers? The name alone has changed. <laughs> um, and, and I think that even creates some confusion when you, for example, if you go for an interview and they'll say, oh, I need someone to do sales ops, but their mm. exact requirement can be very, very different. What yeah. they actually need you to do can be very, very different. I think generally, um, I think, more power has more more power has been given to us to to be trusted to to kind of have the insights and to help be a right hand to I guess our our C suite or whoever it is mm -hmm. that we're kind of supporting and to kind of give them the insights to kind of do their job mm -hmm. more efficiently and more effectively um, and I think when maybe I first started out that wasn't so much the case um, and so now I find myself um, able to kind of provide more support than I ever was when I first started. Yeah, for me, um, what I've seen is, so I just explained to you earlier about the many aspects mm -hmm. of sales operations, right? Mm -hmm. And um, for example, when I was in, um, in Microsoft and I was in the sales excellence team, which was <laughs> a sales operations team, basically, yeah. but we're sales excellent and we supported our partner program managers. Um, each one of us had a slightly different role. So it was very specialized, right? So, and then you had different um, other departments, if you like, who would do like business analysis, et cetera. So over the years, what I've seen is 
they decide we decided <laughs> the society to combine that because we saw that actually there's a need for each sales operations to understand all the different aspects of that because they are related you can't have one without the other which is why it's more biz ops business ops than it is sales ops because we have to understand different elements of different parts of the business to ensure that we yeah. can be efficient because yeah. you support the customer success team and the solutions engineers as well as the sales team so you know you're part of the business not just the sales yeah so so then why are your guys job titles not revenue operations or business operations actually my actually my cro calls me um revenue, revenue operations internally it's just the title that, that yeah. makes yeah, sense okay. yeah. well, when we first got, got it. it yeah and then the other question was the exactly same question but how have you seen the the how being in sales operations or revenue operations being different at all the 10 different companies that you've worked at um no um no, no, I, I would yeah. say no, it has not. I don't think it has actually been fundamentally different at all. Mm -hmm. So apart from, first of all, it was very specialized because, um, like I said, it wasn't combined. You know, no one said, hey, actually, these are all aspects that mm -hmm. needs to be sit with potentially one person, um, depending on the size, um, who would manage people who might be more specialized. <laughs> um, Apart from that, it's just been an evolution to getting to sales operations who wear many hats, but I didn't do different things that I'm doing now. I've just evolved and grew in my role. Got it. Yeah. Um, and then final question, who has influenced or guided you? Who's been like the one shining light each <laughs> that's taught you the most? So we talked about this, yeah. and it's really each hard other, other. to get each other. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it's really hard to name, right? Because there are so many people who influenced me, and I'm sure Naya as well. But it's it's been salespeople, right? It's been CROs, VP of sales, you know, sales directors that because mm. I had to work closely with them, be their number two, and they taught me so much more mm. about the sales world as well and what I need to know that would make me better in my role. It has been you know, customer success directors. It has been, you know, products. It has been marketing as well, which has been very influential for me as well, because that's also another department that I need to understand how it works because it's feeding the team. So how does yeah. that work? So how can I optimize that process as well? So it's been so many people in my life, you know, in the last 10 years that have influenced me and I am here today because them, I am them. <laughs> <laughs> and I think organization has been quite different in yeah. terms of their growth pattern um, and, and their success stories. So none have been the same. So no. what you've needed from each company or each person that you've had to lean on or kind of have as a support has been very different okay. or at least it has been for yeah. me so i i personally wouldn't be able to pick one person mm -hmm. but i'd say definitely in each company there's been at least one or two shining lights right? yeah. that have kind for of sure. been yeah my lighthouse true and i and catherine style we have a question here i believe or maybe a couple um or maybe we don't i'm not sure if they're relevant questions and i'm probably not going to read through all of them Anyway, <laughs> um, so I, the few the things I liked, I'm just going to summarize. Um, I liked when Naya said about the salesperson being the customer. So I've had mm -hmm. people come on before and they said their customer was like the head of sales or was the business. Mm -hmm. uh, but actually, 
realizing that you're there to serve the salesperson, which yeah. is a very nice insight. The best, my favorite point was the point about the tools. Because I ask that question every week, right? Yeah. And I get tools every week. But you guys were like, we can tell you tools, but it's not going to help. Um, no. It's actually how all the tools work together that's the yeah. important thing. Mm -hmm. And then the final thing has just slipped my mind. <laughs> I'm sure it'll come back to me. But they're the two big things. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much um, you. for thank your time, you. for finally coming in. That was thank really, it was a very uh, nuanced interview. And hopefully, we'll provide a lot more, a lot of thought provoking. Yeah, um, insights for the audience. But thanks for coming. <laughs> yeah. no, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales of Demystified podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest, or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com.